in, you know, like in my sellers group, you get to know everything. A seller had contacted me and she's like, like, what happens if there's a little bit of poo on the panties? I think people are too embarrassed to ask, I suppose, because yeah, like shit happens, right? Shit Welcome back, baby sluts. Today, we have a very special goddess of a guest who is the host of the infamous Panty Selling Podcast and the founder of the Panty Selling School. In today's episode, we will be leaking tips and tricks for experienced sellers and offering guidance to grow your used clothing empire. So let's bow down to the queen herself, Miss Dalma Rosa. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. That is such an epic introduction. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And I think we can tell by your accent, you may not be American. So do you want to tell a little Mm -hmm. bit about your background? Sure. I'm from Scotland. So um, yeah, so many people message me and go, oh my God, I love listening to you because I, I think most people just expect that the podcast will be run by an American because, you know, a bulk of the audience of panty sellers and panty buyers are American. And so I think they always get a surprise when they hear my voice and go, hmm, okay. Um, so it's nice, you know, just to to be a little bit different I suppose um I don't think my voice is all that interesting but I certainly get lots of people messaging going, oh my god it's so it's so nice it's such a nice accent does that affect your sales at all I mean I, I don't know if your clients or if you're still selling panties if they uh know you by voice or know you by who you are do you kind of stay anonymous maybe um, I think being Scottish, I certainly used that as a unique selling point when I joined, you know, panty selling platforms because obviously Scottish people are very sort of proud of their, you know, nation and all that kind of stuff anyway. But there wasn't a huge amount of Scottish sellers, so it was something that I could, you know, go, Hey, I'm Scottish, you know, I'm a little bit exotic or, you know, <laughs> um, all that kind of stuff. But also what I found was I tended to target older buyers in America and they would be more interested in the Scottish thing because maybe, you know, they had European heritage or they had Scot like I had so many buyers contact me who had Scottish, you know, great great grandparents or whatever. And so they were really excited about the fact that I was Scottish. So yeah, I just ran with it as, you know, anything that adds to, you know, stacking the cards in your favor. But yeah, so it was interesting. But at the time I started selling, I was actually living in Spain. So that was, you know, also a little bit something different, but also didn't necessarily work in my favor because lots of American buyers didn't want to purchase from so far away. So it kind of it worked and it didn't, depending on my, you know, my circumstances. I'm living back in Scotland now. So I'm just well I I love that you used what makes you unique to your advantage because a lot of new sellers come in the game and they look at the girls who they find perfect and they try to implement that. But to me, the market's oversaturated with the typical you know, skinny white college girl. And I think if if we were more open-minded to, you know, 
looking at ourselves, where we're from, how, you know, any, any sort of spice we have. And just like you said, you found value in older men who found your heritage attractive. So the, that type of customer, they're willing to spend more because they want you. And not only that, but it makes me think about when I was in the strip club, when I would go out on the floor, I did not go to the the American boys in their 20s, I would head over to the older men, maybe the guys who had a little more weight on them, the guys that seemed a little more shy because I knew I had that advantage. I knew they were there to spend money and not just look at me. Um, and, and I kind of told, I was telling my mom about this. I was like, you know, when you scan the room, you have to find the potential in people, what works for you. And so you probably learned pretty quickly who who you were going to make money from and to like target them more. Yeah, absolutely. And for me as well, as an older sailor, I just preferred communicating with men over the age of ideally 35 plus. I did, you know, have customers who were younger. But for me, it was important that I enjoyed the experience as well. And so we could have conversations where there was shared experience between us that, you know, there was cultural references that we both understood, like, you know, so that just contributed to me enjoying my work more and also going, okay, like these are the guys I want to work with, not just because they do tend to have more money to spend and they, you know, appreciate an older woman who, you know, has confidence in ways that younger sellers don't, but also because I enjoy the experience of communicating with these guys because they're more engaging, quite frankly, than a 21-year-old guy who, you know, is just <laughs> messaging me, HRU question mark. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? Everybody has their own, you know, preference with regards to their ideal customers, if you like. But going back to the original point, which was, you know, capitalizing on what's unique about you a lot of sellers come onto platforms they look at how it's done and they think okay I have to copy that right as in like I have to do the same kinds of pictures do the same kind of status updates write the same kind of profile and really what will set you apart from the thousands of other sellers is for you to be you because nobody else can be you right that is your unique selling point you are the niche and a lot of the times it's just stepping into the confidence of that and going, okay, it's okay for me to, you know, look at what's different about me and then amplify that and speak from that place in order to make sales. So do you think that older women have more an advantage? Like how old are you and how how do you use that to your advantage? I am 41. Um, but I'll be honest, when I started on Panty Deal, which was the first panty selling platform that I joined, I didn't, I wasn't truthful about my age because I was carrying that, um, you know, inner narrative that guys don't want older women, right? And that was just purely because I didn't know any better. So it took me a while to become confident enough to go, okay, well, actually, I'm about to turn 40, which was at the time. Um, I'd say that, you know, guys out there are looking for lots of different things, right? Lots of different ages, lots of different sizes and shapes, lots of different hair color you know, all kinds of different things. So, you know, there's not one size fits all with regards to panty selling. But, you know, I, I'd say it takes a, a maybe a particular kind of guy that's looking for a 40 plus, you know, MILF, I guess. I think that men don't, 
they'd feel more comfortable with older women because they know that they're set in their in their confidence. And, you know, I, th- I think some of the younger like they might think like, oh, the younger girl will be grossed out that I want to drink her piss or, you know, like anything like that. But yeah. it sounds like you're really selling the experience. And I firmly believe the communication is what makes the sale and you are selling the fantasy. Like at the end of the day, yeah, the panty matters, but not as much as how you communicate to the buyer and emphasize how much you want them to desire you and be happy with what you have to to sell them out of your closet. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I've, I've said this quite a lot recently that you are not here to sell panties you are here to sell the experience of purchasing panties. And that experience begins at the moment that they log on to their, you know, if they're on a platform, at the moment that they log on to that platform, right up until the, you know, moment that they've opened your package and they're enjoying it. It's the entire thing. And I think that, you know, more sellers need to get that into their minds that this isn't like an eBay thing. This isn't like a transactional thing. This isn't, experiential thing for your customer and it starts like way before they've even contacted you or you've contacted them whatever it may be so yeah it's about really stepping into that well that's a really good point on tiktok when i do my little you know weird things i sell on the internet series when especially like with the toenail clippings i get a lot of comments saying oh my gosh i'm throwing money in the trash or i'm flushing money down the toilet and my first thought is you know you can't just clip your toenails and sell them for a million dollars i'm selling my toenails to particular clients that i've you know, built relationships with for years. And we've worked our way up to that point. And along with them saying, you know, where do you sell these? You know, I'm going to get everything out of my panty drawer and sell each one. And most of the time I'm like, you know, I can recommend sites where I started, but ultimately I'm very content with like the three to five long-term clients I have that really pay for my time and they pay extra because they want to continue with our our built trusted relationship because even buyers get scammed too all the time by new sellers. Um, so do you have any customers that are more like long-term or are you still more more engaged with like finding them on platforms? Uh, no, I, I mean, I just received an email like in the last 20 minutes from a guy who I suppose, you know, I've had, or I call it a relationship. Obviously it's not a relationship, you know, I mean, a customer relationship with, for well it must be 16 months now um you know and and we're just talking about his relationship that's not really going very well right now and then like you know things like the coronavirus all that kind of stuff so we have this ongoing connection and I have that with a number of my regular customers but yeah that that is where a lot of sellers are mistaken they come into this and they do think that it's more like posting things on ebay where there's just like loads of guys ready to buy and they'll just purchase from you and that's why i keep coming back to the premise that people buy from people and it takes a period of time to build that no like and trust factor so that they want to purchase your things it's like it's not that there's a lack of things for them to purchase it's just that they're very particular about who they want to purchase from and so your job is to make that connection with them even if you're not having you know a message back and forth with them but just through whatever it is that you're posting and sharing on the platform or on reddit or wherever it is you're choosing to sell so that they're making that connection with you prior to actually contacting you with a view to you know possibly purchasing depending on how those messages go well 
that makes me think of two really good points because it's it sounds like when I'm making a product listing for a product on like my Shopify stores, like my very PG products that I sell, it's, you know, you are selling, for example, the toys I sell, you're selling the experience of the toy. It's not even about, I mean, yeah, you want the toy to be pretty and satisfy you, but in the description, you got to explain what it does, what it feels like. You know, the pictures need to show what it's going to look like when it shows up on your doorstep discreetly, of course. So it's it's very similar to business and how the, the product listing is the most important thing. And when a customer reaches out to our customer service, you have to respond quickly, diligently, and, you know, really put yourself in the customer's shoes and give them every answer to whatever concern they have. And it's, to me, it, it flows right into my panty selling because it's, it's, it's business. And secondly, when you're getting those emails and building those relationships, it, it kind of reminds me of like therapy sessions because the, these customers, whatever you want to call them are seeking out a release to something that they're not really comfortable telling everybody so when you build that trust and start talking about other things, like you said, like the pandemic or their relationship, all of a sudden, I feel like a little bit of a therapist. And part of me is like, you need to be paying for my time, but it's part of building and building to get to that sale. But it takes a lot of energy to to feel or pretend to feel invested in what they're going through and you know, I, I'm sure you experience that as well. But how do you manage not expending too much energy? Because you want to be paid accordingly to what you're providing, you know, the value to them. Yeah, that's something that comes up a lot. I get asked that question a lot, particularly from new sellers who, you know, they're having messages back and forth. And they're like, right, okay, but how do I bring up the sale? Like, how do I make the money now? Because like obviously they feel like their time's been wasted and for me um I mean I just I never did I never just brought up the sale in the middle of a conversation I kind of got the conversation to a point where it felt like it was obvious that a sale was going to take place and then if it didn't I would start to pull back my energy with regards to how much I was interacting with the person so with you know my regular customers the the reason that they are regular customers is because they absolutely respect and honor my time. You know, they don't expect me to be messaging them like in, you know, quickly after they've emailed me or anything like that. And that's just been a boundary for me from the beginning. And so I've set that expectation very early on. So I never have had to juggle with that. So, I mean, like I said, it's something that comes up a lot for sellers asking me like, oh, I've been talking to this guy for like a few days or whatever, and he still hasn't bought from me. And I'm like, right, okay, well, rather than go, okay, are you ready to buy now? Which is just going to kill the vibe altogether. Just start to like pull back energetically from the conversation. And then they're sort of like, they'll pick up on that and they'll either make the purchase or it'll be time for you know both of you to move on. I firmly believe if you're coming from a more dominant point of view, very early on, I like to say, oh, well, you must tribute your goddess before you even consider uh, taking a breath towards me, kind of sending that sort of boundary immediately. And I've sometimes encouraged girls to 
you know, encourage like a down payment before they speak like, hey, you know, I've there's a lot of scammers on the site lately. I need you to cash out me just one dollar to show that your payment method works. But it does take a little bit of that, you know, real relationship vibe out of the conversation. But if you're receiving, you know, tens, if not 50 messages a day, if if you're in that threshold, I think it kind of depends like if you're a beginner or you're more experienced if you want to set that boundary. And also on OnlyFans, you have to, I think you can change the setting so they have to actually tip you to send a message. And I wish emails were like that. Yeah, I think that is a really handy feature to have. And you're right, you know, a lot of new sellers that come into this industry maybe don't feel very confident in selling or even, you know, communicating with, you know, what could potentially be difficult or challenging or just annoying customers. And unfortunately, the way I see it, that's just the territory. You know, that's that's the game we're playing here. We're here to make sales. Of course we are. But selling is such a huge thing. Like, you know, there are 50 billion books on how to sell and, you know, selling and selling online and all that kind of stuff. So my approach has always just been making the connection with the person. And that's why I've always said, like, I don't want to join a panty selling platform where I can't message buyers. Like if I've done that and I've realized I can't message buyers, then I've just left straight away because how I sell is getting into their inbox charming the pants off of them and then you know they can't help but purchase from me um so that's just my strategy and and it's not for everyone like I personally wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily asking for a down payment just because that's not my style and so that speaks to a bigger sort of part of like finding what works for you like my strategy and my techniques may not appeal or apply to you personally but they work for me. So that's, you know, where I come from. So and and I appreciate how you explain that you have to, you know, it's, I encourage reaching out to the customers on this on any platform, because you can sit there and message every single one and get a bite. Uh, But do you do you think that all the new sellers coming on? Do you think it's making it harder for experienced sellers? Or do you think it really doesn't matter? Because at the end of the day, you're experience has value and you can quickly weed through the bad eggs? I think that buyers are always going to be inundated with messages uh, anyway. And it's just, there's two options as far as I'm aware. There's message on the premise that yes, other women are of course messaging these buyers too. You're not the only one that's doing it. Um, you know, And potentially stand out enough for them to reply and it lead to a sale. And the second option is don't message them because they're getting lots of messages. So it's like, you know, would a normal, right, salesperson in the real world, like say these people that work in call centers, um, you know, who cold call individuals and try and sell them insurance, be like, oh, well, they probably had other phone calls today, so I won't bother. It's that kind of, you know, when you look at it, it's that kind of logic. It's like, well, just make sure that your phone call is a good one, right? don't do what the majority of them are doing and I know because you know I have buyer friends and they sometimes screenshot me and it's like 50 messages that all say hey baby like or how are you and that's it right so the trick is to not do that to be more creative and try and find a way to start a conversation right um so yeah when it comes down to well should you message or should you not I'm always like well you should but at the same time 
you know, more recently, there there was massive influx into the industry that did very much disrupt things. And so there was a period of time just for a few weeks where I did say, look, maybe hang back until things calm down and then, you know, resume, you know, normal. <laughs> well, I have to ask you, my next question was, do you think TikTok in particular was oversaturating the market? And it's really interesting that you said there was a period for three weeks because I had a video go viral about my um, foot wax from my little um, hot wax machine. And it's almost at 20 million views. And part of me was like, I hope I'm not hurting the industry. And like, I thought about it and I, and I thought, you know, it's really a supply and demand thing. Like there's always going to be a demand for it. And even if new sellers are coming in this with no idea how to do it, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of like with, you know, I always refer back to the strip club, like new girls, it's a revolving door, but the girls who've been there and it's their full-time job, they have regulars. But there was part of me, and honest to God, I felt a deep discomfort. I, you know, I thought, you know, I want to share my life. I want to be authentic, but I don't want to take away from the sex workers who are doing this to pay their bills. So what are your thoughts on that, like, recent oversaturation? Like, how did it affect you? Um, do you think it's going to continue to oversaturate while everyone's working at home? It's it's a lot. Um, yeah, I, I went through the exact same thing. I had, like, a real crisis um you know uh, of confidence i suppose where i i have you know my job as a a seller trainer if you like i have obviously training products that help sellers so i you know i get financial and um, i get you know money from that obviously and so when there was an influx i saw an increase of people listening to the podcast like the download episodes went through the roof i obviously saw an increase in sales and then I was like, well, hang on a minute. Like I have my own group of sellers and they're hurting right now. And I feel like I wasn't responsible for it, obviously, but I felt like, well, oh, I'm benefiting in some way. And therefore I felt guilty about it. Um, so, you know, a few of the TikToks that went viral that created that upsurge um, didn't come from a legitimate place, right? I mean, the difference with you is obviously you are a sex worker, right? You are legitimate. But, you know, one of the TikTok or a selection of the TikToks from one person were not legitimate. And so that felt really gnarly to me. And I was very upset and, you know, angry about it as well. Um, but what, you know, the advice that I was giving the sellers was like, right, okay, people are coming in on the back of a false premise that this is a get rich quick scheme, which it isn't that there will be like, you know, they just have to post things and they'll sell and that's not reality. And so I would envisage that in a few weeks, things will calm down. And they did, right? It, it, it went back to, you know, almost normal very short time ago. So there, there will always be things like that that happen that will create these upsurges, which aren't organic. You know, the platforms themselves have a responsibility too. And I did message a couple of them going, okay, what are you going to do exactly. to manage this? is you're also making money from this and you're not able you know like if a site for example gets like 2,000 new sellers and like you know 50 new buyers well that's not sustainable and everybody suffers so I think we all have to play a part in the community to you know not necessarily protect ourselves from this happening because it will happen here and there but just to make sure that we're sort of like we have the measures in place and that we also hold our ground because you know six weeks from now 95 percent of those sellers will fall away 
when they realize just how difficult this is. And you, and that is ex- the best analogy I can think of is say a customer walks into the strip club and a girl sits down and she goes, here, I'll give you a $20 dance and let's go to the, or let's go to the champ. Here's a better example. Um, she says, let's go to the champagne room. It's a thousand dollars for an hour and I will totally have sex with you back there. And then they go back there and she doesn't have sex with him. And then the guy leaves the club. He's angry and he doesn't want to come back. And imagine there's a house mom that's telling the girls to do this. Like, all you have to do is convince him to go to the champagne room. You'll make your money and everything will be fine. No. Like, if there's enough angry customers, you know, what if they then want to blackmail you or, you know, they get angry? And it could be a new set of problems for people receiving false information, how to do this and not taking their safety seriously. So I agree. As I've shown my experience, it has led to women asking me how to do it. And I have been extremely careful doing my research, as I know you have, to make sure that I am passing along the most important information because we do have a responsibility if there's no one in the industry to be like the staple of how to because this is such a taboo industry and the more popular or viral it gets there are going to be people who want to ride so coattails so to speak and eventually time will tell uh what's real and what's not you know, I always I firmly believe in every experience I've witnessed and from business to social media, people who try to duplicate someone that's not them, you know, you can't be a copy of someone forever. So that's kind of my stance. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's why your podcast is important and my podcast is important and getting that information out there about the reality of it. And, you know, I've been very honest on my podcast. I have talked about, you know, the dark days when it's just like it's it's hell and I and I want to quit and I want to quit, you know, a thousand times. Um, you know, and also the very beginning of my guide that I sell for helping women sell panties, you know, like the first introductory audio is like, this is hard fucking work, right? There are going to be days that you hate it. And, um, you know, it's like blood, sweat and tears. Like, here's the reality. Because up until the point where I started my podcast to do with panty selling, really a lot of the information that was online was what had come from the platforms themselves who have, of course, a vested interest in making you believe that this is super easy. Like, you know, um, just sign up and straight away you'll get like $70 for a pair. And that's obviously bullshit. And so I considered myself like an, an intermediary between the sellers and the platforms and going, right, okay, well, this is actually what you need to know. Of course, you can make it work. Of course, you can make lots of money. It can be fun and all that kind of stuff. And it can happen quickly. But also, you know, X, Y, and Z, the stuff that the platform won't tell you, you can rely on me to share with you. Um, And so it's just important that that continues and that, you know, the people that clearly don't know what they're talking about, yes, it will become quite obvious, hopefully it will, in a very short space of time that they can't back up, you know, with experience what they're claiming to teach. I would never push that this is a full-time job. It has always been a side hustle. Um, and I'm I'm interested in what you feel about, do you think sex work in general can be a full-time job? Because even with OnlyFans, it's never promised 
income. So do you think panty sellers are considered sex workers? And what would be your best advice? Even if someone's doing really well and they're making thousands of dollars a month, would you say, you know, like to your best friend, like, hey, I think you should still think about branching out and not putting all your eggs in one basket? Because this has never been a full-time job for me because I have, you know, three Shopify stores. I have an entertainment company and the panty sales and the OnlyFans. I totally indulge that money in just spoiling myself, fixing my house up. It's been the best feeling in the world to just go into Target and spend $500 on fucking baskets. That's what I did this week. (laughs) So for me, it's just this like fun money. Enjoy it while it lasts because it's, it's a feeling I've never felt before. And all my other money from my business goes back into the business. And I know every girl jumping into this is not living my experience, my journey. So I always say, you know, if you have a job right now, don't fucking quit just to start a side hustle. Um, so what do you think about that? Do you think there it's considered sex work? You know, how would you tell someone like whether it can be a full-time job or not? Sure. So this has come up a few times. There's been sellers in my group who are like, no, 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 this isn't sex work. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it fucking is sex work. Okay, you are <laughs> sex work. Like, I'm sorry to break that to you if that's disappointing because of course. It's like, it's like sexy work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of sellers, you know, come into this and they're like, oh, I just, you know, I'm going to make some money online doing like this naughty taboo thing, but I'm not a sex worker, right? And I, so I think the first thing that I would say is like, if you're hung up on whether you're a sex worker or not, like I would deal with that because what are you like bringing to the work where you have this mental block around like what it means to be a sex worker? Like it doesn't mean anything, right? You are a sex worker because you're engaging in fetish work, right? Panty sniffers, panty buyers, they are, um, you know, they have a panty fetish and that is centered around sexual arousal and satisfaction. So if you're providing that and technically you are a sex worker but you know it doesn't matter like don't call yourself a sex worker if it freaks you out or if you have a problem with it like I'm I'm not going to be like yeah you are but yeah in my opinion panty sellers are sex workers and the other thing is that you know 85% end up to go on selling like pictures and videos and other things so I always joke and say oh panty selling is like the gateway drug to, you know, sex work or whatever. I think that it's so important. That's why it's it's crucial to know how this money is being processed because it might feel like an eBay sale, but certain banks don't want sex work money coming in. Just as we all know, PayPal, hell no, they don't want that kind of money coming in. So people think like, oh, cash at me, Venmo me, fucking Amazon gift card me. But you have to know and when we t- and I'm sure you talk about this in in your book as well um why that's so important and I think that's why when you come in you have to know straight from the gate this is sex work you got to be careful you can't just put it all out there on social media because TikTok will take it down Facebook will take it down yeah. because they pretty pretty much consider you a fucking prostitute which is bullshit I mean yeah that that's the whole way you know you're a sex worker is the fact that you know I'm on my eighth PayPal account now my eighth I've been oh my god seven <laughs> times right if that's not you know me as a sex worker I literally don't know what is 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's another thing that I should just raise whilst we're talking about it is the groups for sex workers that are on Facebook. That to me just blows my fucking mind because I'm like, really? Like, that is so not safe. You have, you know, hundreds or thousands of women in there with their real names, you know, all their pictures, where the fuck they work, their family connections. Like, no, that's a giant no. So, yeah, um, with regards to your earlier question about whether you can make this a full time living, not definitely not in the beginning. Like, definitely don't give up your job, your day job, whatever that is. That said, I do know sellers who gave up their day job after maybe like, you know, a year and a half or two years doing this because they've now got regular customers and they've got, you know, passive income from um, video sites and and they've got OnlyFans subscribers. So, you know, those are, um, you know, the top sort of like, I don't know, 5%, I guess, right? It's not for everyone. And they also maybe have different circumstances to you in that they've got all the time or they've got a bit of money to support them or they've got a partner to support them. So everyone's circumstances are different. When I started out, I was looking for some additional money as a side income. It was never going to be like, oh, this would be my full-time job. I only actually intended on doing it for six months to get us out of a, a fix money-wise. Um, you know, so, and also, like, you know, I know I could have made more money if certain circumstances have been different. But, yeah, it's 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 a great side hustle. I wouldn't consider moving into full-time money until, like, you've been doing this for at least a year and a half or two years. And also, you don't know how things can change, right? Something like a platform can just fucking delete in a day and then there's you, you know, and you've got less eggs in your basket. So it's very precarious, that's the word I would use, that you would go, oh, well, I'll just give up my... Don't let spring cleaning fool you. There's always space to add a little extra something in the bedroom. And it's no secret that consuming a little THC can help set the mood. However, getting that right strain and dosage can be difficult. That's why we're thankful for today's sponsor, Via. Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. Vaya also offers a wide array of other gummies with and without THC. And the best part, Via legally ships to all 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. No medical card required. So if you're 21 and up, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning dreams, THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code. Try Via Hemp with code goddess at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. So when I take out a new toy from my collection and I'm having some, you know, self-love time, I like to really elevate the mood with high love. When I'm getting aroused, my blood flow is already peaking and the gummies just 
totally enhance my sensations to the next level. Sometimes after a long day of work, it's just hard to relax, especially if I can't mentally get there. And I feel like us girlies really need to mentally stimulate ourselves when we're trying to orgasm. So personally, chewing a little gummy like High Love sets me in such a mellow, relaxed mood that I can actually focus and enjoy myself and have a well-deserved experience. I also really like that the products range from two milligrams to 50 milligrams. Look, I always share my party favors with my friends and some of them just can't hang all the way sometimes. So I like the low dose so that they can still get a mild effect, especially if you or their body just isn't really accustomed to the ingredients just yet. So I love that you can kind of microdose or enjoy more of the potent effects. So let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dreams gummies. 21 and up only. And that is viahemp.com, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code goddess at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. Now back to the show. Full-time job, like you'd have to be really doing very well. I I recently had actually two girls within 24 hours message me and tell me their TikTok got shut down and how it's affecting their OnlyFans money because they now don't have tens of thousands of people to promote it to. And my first question was, okay, you probably had videos removed before they took your TikTok account down. So you have to learn when a video's removed, do not do anything similar to that again. And I know this because I follow OnlyFans models who are just, you know, they might be, you know, rolling around on the floor to music in a very scandalous outfit. And the caption says link in bio. And I'm like, you are, it's literally like a, an amateur porn ad. You cannot do that. You have to do abide by the TikTok rules, maybe do a TikTok dance in a skirt and crop top, you know, no bikinis, no lingerie because you're catering to TikTok's rules. Secondly, they're shutting down girls who have their OnlyFans link straight up in their bio. I encourage anyone listening to now move to attaching your Twitter link and saying like, hey, check out my links on my Twitter and then having your OnlyFans link there. Or what I did, I created a website with my links because my link tree got removed from my website and having almost a million followers, I was like, oh, hell no, I cannot risk this. So if um, you lose your free advertising platform, which I call social media, it's free advertising, you need to consider how this will affect your income. So you have to take those risks into account. Yes, you might be getting more followers, more likes because you're being more scandalous, but stay away. Like if your intuition tells you like, uh, this might be a little risky to post, but let's just test it out. No, don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're playing with fire basically. Um, yeah, and you're playing with your income <laughs> potential as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know sellers who've had their accounts deleted from punch selling platforms, either, you know, for a mistake or for a legitimate fuck up of the rules. And yeah, like you have to start from scratch, like you don't have any reviews anymore. And so you're like starting from the bottom again. And yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's precarious. Yeah, there's a a dark website I use on the dark side. And there's a lot of girls selling piss and shit. And I've noticed they call it like, 
golden tea or their chocolate (laughs) um, lemonade. Yes. So I've noticed like they're playing by the rules. They'll take a picture of like a tray of brownies. And obviously they're saying, you know, message me for what flavor you want. And I'm like, God, these girls are so smart, (laughs) but they're playing by the rules. And I, that's, what's so interesting to me when it goes down like the dirty rabbit hole of things like, you know, cream pie panties, pussy pops, you know, all the things that these girls are in more of the top percent because they're willing to do more risky things besides panties. Um, So, and I'm, and I know, you know, all about that girl. So experienced sellers, how are girls who want to, you know, really build it up to there? um, What kind of products would you recommend for them to ease into trying other things besides panties because like my first kind of tap not taboo like more scandalous panty was doing like a cream pie one so my partner comes inside of me and then the cum politely sits in my panty <laughs> yeah so how do you feel about that girl <laughs> There does seem to be a sort of hierarchy, if you like, or I don't know if that's the right word that I'm using, like what I said before about people start with socks and then they're like, oh, well, I may as well do panties. And then when they do panties, like when I started selling panties, it was just going to be panties. And then the first guy that wanted to purchase something from me, he wanted three pictures of me, like not even nude, just like, you know, scantily, like soft core sort of thing. And, um, you know, I was like, okay <laughs> okay I wasn't gonna do that but I've got a guy here he's like ready to pay me uh okay, money talks yeah <laughs> so exactly so then it was pics and then from pictures you know sellers tend to go well if I'm going to do pictures then I'll just put together some videos and then if they do videos and then once they start to see you know the random things like pussy pops or like selling vibrators or hair or all mm-hmm. that kind of thing, then they start adding all of these things to their shop which is because there's a a understanding that, well, the more things I sell, the more money I'll make, which, you know, I suppose there's an element of truth into that. But for me personally, I'm like, well, it helps if you can be a little bit more conscious and organized with regards to the things that you want to sell and build a brand around, you know, you and your offerings and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it does, like I said, people, sellers that are new tend to go on that journey where it's like socks and panties and then it becomes like, you know, the pictures, the videos, and then perhaps like sexting and then Skyping and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I suppose like the end result is selling your, your toilet product I've I've never done that you know there's a lot of guys that are looking for that and yeah I mean there's like horror stories that I could tell you about sailors that have decided to try and cook brownies you know using like their kitchen equipment and then their entire house stinks for a week they can't get rid of the smell and they've had to throw out every single pot and pan that they used (laughs) and replace well imagine like your family comes over for thanksgiving and there's like remnants of like shit in your oven and then they're eating the turkey and they're like why does this taste like ass apparently i mean who knew but shit obviously smells bad enough by itself but apparently when you cook it it goes to like the next level (laughs) so 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't fancy, like it would take at least £20,000 for me to even consider <laughs> doing that. Well, there's a price for everything. Like, you know, I've been tell I've been talking about all sorts of things with friends, you know, I'll message them and be like, is it worth it? And then like, I'll ask them, I'll say, like, what would be your price? You know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and they'll say, you know, $10,000. I'm like, shut up, you would do it for a 1000. Someone <laughs> wave that money in front of you, you shut up. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's also people who are just like, well, I would just never do that. I had an interview with a journalist recently and she's like, but you know, like how bad did it have to be for you to consider doing that? And in my head, I'm like, well, not bad at all. Like it just was like a fun, strange thing I decided to do. Like I never thought that I'd stooped to a low level or something like oh my god the things I'm now willing to do for money it was just like sell panties that sounds kind of crazy that's exactly the kind of thing that I would do so everybody has their you know judgment and their whore phobia and all that kind of stuff so interesting now I also when I brought up cream pie I I remembered a memory of someone who was so persistent about buying a used condom and at first it freaked me out, but then I was like, okay, like once I got used to those kind of questions, it didn't as much, but my excuse was like, Hey, I don't use condom. It's not condoms. It's not going to happen. And when I asked my partner, he, you know, he, Oh no, 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 no. You know? (laughs) And I even asked him, I said, you know, my feet, I'm having a hard time making them stink as much as these people want. I'm getting bad reviews. And I was like, can I please just put my sock inside of your sock? I mean, I begged him. I was like, I do. Come on. And he, you know, he's just a hard no. He's like, do what you want. Don't tell me about it. But I was like, God damn it. Like you, your feet stink. Yeah. I yeah. am. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I did sell a few used condoms. And I remember my husband just being like, oh, my God, what on earth? Um, and I was like, yeah, you have to do it like three times. If you could just fill them up for me, that would be good. <laughs> Does he does he get a, a cut of your earnings? No, he doesn't. I'm <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> so what does he what does he think about it? Spill the tea. Yeah, I mean that's another common question that comes my way. People that are worried to tell their partner because they don't know how they're going to react and all that. And and again, it comes down to like your individual relationship with your partner. My husband is used to me coming up with crazy mad cat ideas and so you know when I said this to him he was just like oh you know rolled his eyes like oh my god what is it next but he thought it was funny you know and and that's the way I probably framed it to him I was like I'm gonna sell my panties I'm gonna make us some money and he's like oh my god right okay um so you know in the beginning when I was learning stuff and and getting like all these mad requests from guys I would, you know, be, I would tell him and he'd be like, oh my God, like he, you know, a lot of the time he's like, just don't tell me. I don't want to know. Like, what, what does he want to do with it? Like, no way. That's crazy. Does, does his feelings like ever get hurt though? Like if you bring it up just jokingly, is he ever like, stop talking about it? No, never. Not at all. Um, I mean, he's very, very supportive, but it's a hundred percent trust like you know this is my work you know I'm not like even in the beginning exactly it's work it's not personal that's right there is no you know don't get me wrong like I'm kind of friendly with customers but there's no emotional connection there it's purely 
you know, to make money. It's just like if you were a waitress or a bartender, you know, you got to play the part. Exactly. But, you know, at the same time, like he would have to deal with, you know, like I said earlier about wanting to quit or being pissed off or being upset or anything negative happening he would be the sounding board. So, you know, I'm really lucky in that respect that he he would never go, oh, well, I don't want to hear about it. Don't talk to me about it or anything like that. Like he's completely willing to hear me out and, and help me through. Yeah. The so I, ha- I have some guys messaging me on OnlyFans all the time. If you're ever in Atlanta, call me or how much to come see me in Florida. And I'm just like, bro, like I'll, I'll tease that fantasy. I'll be like, oh, yeah, you're, what are you going to do to me when I get there? But like, pff, no, <laughs> hard no. I know. And the thing is as well, I always put on my profile that I was married. You know, some sellers choose not to share their relationship status, but I did because again I was just like do you know what I'm I'm here and I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not not that I'm saying it's a bad idea to say you're single if you're not like for sure there are guys that want to buy from you because they feel you are available to them but or married maybe they like that right that too and of course like the guys that are looking for couple content they're happy that you have a partner it's like well now I can get you know the videos that I like so you know again whatever suits your individual circumstances are you ever like I, I want to use the word stinky but like sometimes if you need to wear your panties for five days god forbid two weeks and you haven't showered is he ever like girl <laughs> clean up no no I suppose like oh, it, maybe it, that's just me <laughs> no he, I suppose a couple of times I've wear worn socks for quite a number of days and I have a hack to make mine smell I have this really old pair of slippers that are you know horrible man-made fire I don't even know what they're made of they're just made of pure oil and whenever I I wear them my feet really really stink like it takes just a few hours and it smells as if I've worn them for days yeah a couple of times it's like bloody hell like that's really well before I forget I wanted I know that like being outside of the U.S. I know it's completely it's a whole different ball game for you and I get questions all the time like how do I do payment out of the U.S. we don't have cash app what do you suggest for girls international and I don't fucking know so I'd like to give you the the platform to help my listeners out for those who are that percentage that aren't in America yeah well I first of all I think you're really lucky if you are in America because that is where the majority of the audience seems to be I'd say probably 80 percent of my sales were to Americans so that's good the cash app does work from the UK to the US, but not anywhere else. But the fact that they've changed that recently, maybe they're working on making it available in other countries too. So cash app is one option. PayPal is another option. I'm recommending at the moment that you go through buy me a coffee page because um, PayPal can link to that. So it means that you're not like giving out, you know, your link to all the different buyers, just giving them your buy me a coffee page and they're just paying them. So that's what tell me tell me about the buy me a coffee page because I'm not using yeah, that. Yeah, buymeacoffee.com. It's basically for people that want to buy you coffee and <laughs> um, support your work in some way. And so you set the price of what a coffee is. I think it can go up to five dollars, but the average is like three, and then they decide how many coffees they want to buy you. So when that's brilliant. Yeah, so when you get wow. the order, 
you can go, well, here's my buy me a coffee page. That'll be 10 coffees. And then they buy you that. Um, it's really cool, actually. And so on their statement, as far as I'm aware, it shows buy me a coffee. And on yours, it shows buy me a coffee. So it's kind of like they're the middleman. Now, they do take a small cut. Of course, they do, right? There's a platform. I was going to say, how funny would it be if someone messaged you? Like we were talking about, you know, I was saying sometimes you could ask for a down payment before you even talk. I just had an idea. What if you were like, oh my God, so nice to meet you. Want to sit down and have coffee? I'd love to talk more and be like, here's my coffee page. And then that's a great idea. That would be kind of a cute little yeah. thing. <laughs> and it can, all, it can also hook it up to credit and debit cards, which means if they don't have PayPal, that they can pay by card. So it's really useful yeah i would suggest that and then finally it's like amazon or another gift card and that's it for international payments it's really sucky um mm-hmm. but, but what if you have a client that you really trust do you feel like paypal's then an option yeah uh, i'd say that most sellers are just using paypal and risking it um, i always recommend upgrading to a business account so that they don't see your name and um, because paypal is starting to get really crafty with the verification process, the last one that I opened, which was number eight, I had to actually log in to my online banking through the PayPal platform in order to verify my bank. Like before, I remember I just put in like the details, but now it was like, no, you have to log in. So, you know, there's... So, well, do, you, do you have a actual like LLC'd business so that you can make the PayPal account or a bank account with your business in order to do that? No, you don't have to. You just basically say, I'm a business, I'm selling online and I want, you know, a PayPal business account. So, But what if they ask for like your website or do you need any like verification that you are a business? No. No, I didn't. Uh, they ask for your business name, um, you know, which you can make anything you like, and your business address. But they haven't asked for any verification of the address. Um, so yeah, I mean, so far so good. Touch wood. Like I said, it seems as though they are changing, you know, as they go along. Obviously, um, and I don't know, you know, their algorithms are in place that manage to shut accounts down. Um, at a moment's notice so it's risky as hell but most sellers are still using it and you always use like friends and family payments I don't personally know I am um, okay. yeah with the business account actually I'm not sure if you can maybe you can yeah I think you possibly can but no I, I've never I've never insisted on that I just like you know I'm I'm the kind of seller that's like I don't care if platforms that I'm using to support my business take a cut because they're, you know, it's not worth the risk. So do you, is our taxes different in your country? Like at the end of the year, does PayPal say like, Hey, here's your tax form to take to your accountant. Do you have any like quick tips about taxes? Uh, Yeah. Well, taxes in the UK are different. Um, I do get from certain platforms, like here's your tax information for the year. But I just I um, put everything usually through PayPal or my Stripe account and they have different you know ways for me to keep track of it. And then, yeah, I'm registered as self-employed. I just filled in my tax return there for the last tax year. And yeah, I always say to sellers, you have to be paying your taxes because I know lots don't want to. But as far as I'm concerned, if you are a business, which is what you're you know meant to be, this is what this is, then you should be paying your taxes. You should be recording your payments. You should be doing everything that a normal business would do. Now, do you, I have this thought that Amazon gift cards might feel a little like they're under the table though. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they do still count as income. 
Yeah. Well, in the UK, sorry, that's in the UK okay. they do. I don't know just, about just the Just a thought. I won't say that they are, but it's just a thought. Um, yeah. I, it's interesting to me. You were telling me about couple content, myself not doing couples content. Are there any other items that you would suggest selling that couples can create together? Like, but not like pictures and videos, but actual like tangible physical products? Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. I, I set my husband up with an account. <laughs> I was just like, right, you're selling now as well. Um, because a platform that I was on started to have an increase in the number of male sellers who are obviously selling to males, right? They're not selling to females. And and it's like not as big as a market. Like it's, you can be a big fish in a small pond being a, a male. Exactly. Or like trans, or trans, like if you're in the LB, LGBTQ community. Yeah, absolutely. Although I haven't seen as much of that. I think that's probably, you know, coming. But that's <laughs> But yeah, when I saw that uptick in the number of male sellers, I said to my husband, right, okay, I'm setting you up with an account, I will manage it for you, I will do all the pictures, I will do your bio, I will deal with, you know, the men and all that kind of stuff. And honest to goodness, it was so different. See a man dealing with a man versus a man dealing with a female seller, worlds apart, like the guys would just message and be like, hey, I want to buy this. And then like, because it was my husband, I'd be like, well, I'm going to, you know, say that the price is higher and not feel bad about it. And so I'd be like, yeah, that's $40. And then they'd be like, right, cool. What's your PayPal? And I'm like, bloody hell, you have got it so much easier compared to me. So he sold for like, we ended up having like a competition to see who could sell more in a particular week or a month. He ended up doing it for a couple of months. And then it was just getting too difficult for me to run both of them. And I was like, right, okay, I'm just gonna. Oh, poor, poor you. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to experience it from the other side. Because yes, as a female seller, I would get approached from male sellers going, you know, what kind of like stuff, guy stuff do you have? So they would be purchasing used condoms cream pie panties whatever they wanted boxers they wanted socks and they wanted you know couple content all that kind of stuff so it made sense just to create an account for him but I have suggested that sellers can create couple accounts where it's like him and her like what do you want you know and they're opening up their audience okay so I saw on your podcast one of the episodes was called avoiding panty accidents could you elaborate? Oh, yeah. So that was a question that came my way. And I was so grateful for it because, again, I think that there's a lot of conversations that don't take place. Even in, you know, like in my sellers group, you get to know everything, right? And obviously on a platform, you get to see everything. But there are still little conversations that I think people are too embarrassed to ask. And so a seller had contacted me and she's like, like, what happens if there's a little bit of poo on the panties and like obviously they haven't purchased that like they they don't want that like what do I do and so I just gave her a couple of hacks to avoid that happening I suppose because yeah like shit happens right shit happens (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah that that's what that was about or also you know if your period comes on like what should you do if you were doing a weird customer and stuff like that so been there done that and I would just lift that pair as period panties and tell or well not to interrupt but you know that happens to me and I tell the client sometimes they're okay with it sometimes they're like no and then I'll say okay give me a week um, and then we'll pick out a new panty and I'll wear it longer for you. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I take that opportunity and resell that panty. And sometimes if I can't get the panty to like have enough ovulation or panty scent, just like a tiny little skid mark, 
adds like enough scent to it, if that makes sense. And I haven't had any complaints. Yeah, I know the conversations that we end up having, right? I mean, these are the things that come up and that's why being a part of a group is such a good idea because, you know, people, sellers have learned little hacks and tips that can help to really you know, make the panty look and smell and be the best that it could possibly be. So yeah, maybe, do you know what? Maybe that'll be my next thing that I release will be panty hacks, right? For all these little things that happen or, you know, what you should do. It. But with the period side of things, I find that some sellers really, really, really don't want to contact the buyer and say that they bled on the panties because I don't know, maybe they're embarrassed or they feel like that's going to kill the guy's, you know, turn on or whatever. Um, and then other sellers are just really honest and go, you know, yep, it happens. Like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to delay your wear by, you know, seven days or whatever. So what about if a panty gets lost in transit? I'm sure you've dealt with that. Like, has a panty ever been seized? Uh, yeah, yeah I, well, I've had them returned. Um, I had one set returned, which I don't ever recommend that you put your address on the envelope but this was very early on and I panicked at the post office because I didn't know that she was going to ask me that so I put my real address with a different name and they got returned and um, unopened though like it wasn't like they'd opened um but yeah this this happens unfortunately quite a lot they get massively delayed I had one pair that I sent to New York and they took um three and a half months to arrive oh. I was like oh my god what was going on in that package by the time that they got there um, and then, of course, others that either they get lost or maybe they get stopped in customs, like nobody really knows what happens to the missing panties. But I suggest, you know, as a standard, you really should send them tracked so that at least you know where they end up, like or where they last were before they went missing. Um, but if you're going to send them untracked, which, you know, customers can offer that because, you know, it brings the price down, then that's the risk that they take. And so the advice I give is like, well, it's a 50-50 risk. If it's a customer that, you know, you really like, has bought from you before and all that kind of thing, then for me, I would just wear for them again, right? And just go, right, okay, I'll take the hit on that. Or I would offer like a video compensation or something like that, or 50% off their next pair. Or, you know, it depends, like, it depends on the customer and your relationship with them and how you feel about, you know, what happened. I recently had a customer uh, say that the panty went to his neighbor and he asked them if they got a package and they said no. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh no, that's awful. Yeah, I've heard of that. I, I know. <laughs> Do you have to soil your panties more because you know that they might lose the scent when they have a long journey to get to the customer? No, I don't. I, I mean, I make sure that they're packaged as well as they possibly can be. And of course, you know, when I'm so far away, I just let them know like this is likely to take five to seven days to arrive if it's UK to the US um but no I don't like go to any particular efforts like if the panties I wore them and they were really light scented then I might just wear them an additional day because obviously I want to create a great customer experience so even if they hadn't paid for two days I might just wear them for two days to make sure that they were more scented so fun fact, uh, I had a follower, her TikTok name is plant-based baddie and she started posting about panty stuff and I just was so attracted to her aura and I was like, you know what, there's, there's room in this industry, like we can all make it and succeed if we like support each other and are encouraging instead of, um, really turning it into competition in a way. So 
I reached out to her and was like, oh my God, like I want to give you some TikTok ideas. Like you were like the Barbie of panty selling and come to find out we have the same birthday. Um, I think like the same middle name, like it is so bizarre. So I was in her bio and I noticed she had some panty selling links that all linked to you. So that's how I found your podcast. And then I was like, oh my God, okay. She has an affiliate program. She has a fucking scholarship. So tell me about like those things on your website, because I think that's so cool. And I think a lot of our listeners uh, would benefit possibly from from either of those things, the scholarship or the affiliate program. Yeah, well, it all kind of really happened by accident, I suppose. So obviously I was selling for a few months and then I decided that I really wanted a community because I felt like, you know, such a lone wolf and it was hard and all that kind of stuff. And, and I needed people to talk to and stuff. So I created the group. And then from that, um, you know, lots of the same questions were coming up from the new sellers. So I decided that I would put together some free trainings, which are still available. So like these are, I don't know, almost like I don't know, a year and three quarters old, like they're this, the originals. So I put these free trainings together and then it was actually in the course of those trainings like you can hear it if you listen to them. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got so much to talk about. I should start a podcast. And so that just seemed like the obvious next step. I, I wanted to, you know, my, on my very first episode, I'm like collaboration over competition. I want to help you. I want to, you know, to make this industry a better place for all of us. And so after I'd done the podcast for a short period of time, I was like, well, I should make a training on this, like a paid for training that covers the very basics for people. And so that was the beginning. And then after that, I just like, started creating more trainings around different topics and I get a lot of joy out of doing that because I'm quite a creative person and then that you know led on to the affiliate program and then the scholarship actually came out of what we were talking about earlier when I felt like you know I want to make sure that I support the community that I care about what can I do and so the scholarship came to mind as like right every month I'm going to offer like a different training and like all of my trainings one each for free to people that go through the um, scholarship process and also on top of that I decided to make 10% of all of my sales go to different charities that either support sex workers or support domestically abused women and children and so those were like my ways of giving back and yeah like you know supporting the, the overall community if you like so yeah, that's the long answer to that question. Um, well, you know what? I had a I had an idea right now. How about for this episode, what if I purchased five of your handbooks and we gave them to some of the listeners? Yeah. Do you think that would be possible? Yeah, that would be super cool. Definitely. Yep. Awesome. I'll let after the show we can talk about okay. that. Um, and I'm I'm really happy you brought up the Facebook group because my idiot self, I read a, um, some of my comments asking for a group and I was like, yeah, sure. And then I posted the group and immediately my girl, plant-based baddie, it was like, Anna, hold the fuck up. Like people, <laughs> people are going to, you know, get uh, <clears throat> called out and their family will know. So we went through all the questions. We added all these privacy policies. So if you join my group, you're going to be hit with some heavy roadblocks that uh, when you join, it's like, you know, by joining, you are giving away all your privacy rights. You don't know who's in this group. And now we've geared it more towards growing 
small businesses and entrepreneurship because half of my podcast is about growing like a small business aside from sex work. Um, and then I was introduced to what Discord actually was, which is a private communication server where you can be anonymous, you can have all your information safe. So I will link your group and your Discord in the description of this video, mine as well. So I encourage everyone listening to join both if you want to have more of a community and friendship, because like you said, you might feel like a lone wolf and like you're laying out in the middle of the road, having no idea what to do. And it's great to have someone to talk to or listen to when you have a client that's being brutal to you and harassing yeah, you. So um, we'll definitely do that. Yeah, I don't think I would have made it this far if it hadn't been for my group. Quite frankly, it's been a lifesaver for me. But I have a strict verification process. Well, I say strict. It's quite strict verification process because we had, um, when we, we first started, um, a man enter the group pretending to be a woman um, which was hilarious. And then obviously like trying to chat up different members of the group uh, until, you know, he was found out and we chucked him out. So yeah, those are the things that you have to be aware of as well. Like if you have a group um, that men will try and get in there, either posing as women or just, you know, trying to mess things up. So yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's important. We luckily have five moderators and who screen everyone, but eat sometimes just fall through the cracks. So you know, you got to be safe than sorry. Um, well, to conclude this episode, I just want to thank you so much for providing such great information. And I think we both can dream and collaborate on creating a community with higher priced quality items and less scammers. So, you know, we can really help these girls create firm boundaries and just make this a better place so that we can all thrive, we can all pay our bills, and that we can satisfy our customers. So thank you again for being my guest today. The best of luck continuing to build your empire. And do you have any last words for all the Sludgepreneurs listening? Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. And yes, I totally agree. Women like you and me, and you know, there's loads of us out there who genuinely want to make this industry or industries you know, similar to this a good place for us all and for us all to make money and have fun and make connections and all that kind of stuff. So it's really important work. And thank you very much for your part in it. All right. So if you want to find out more about Miss Dalma Rosa, you can check out her podcast in the description of this bio. If you want to join her school, I highly encourage that. The link will be there too. And we will see all you bitches on the next episode. Bye, guys.